We've been looking at a series of um, red letter words that we see that, that, that occur outside of the Gospels. And we've just been looking at these moments where God's speaking either a reminder or a fresh revelation, uh, a fresh word to, to mostly it's been Paul. Um, we'll get into some to John here in a little while, but um, that's where we've been. Uh, we looked at Acts chapter 1 and just the, the, the desire to be empowered to be his witnesses. We've looked at the, the calling that when we're doing the things that God does, we will suffer for his name. We looked at communion and we spent some time last week just looking at the, the reality that, yeah, we can get caught up in all these other things, but God is calling us to be evangelists. We have to share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to be light in the midst of darkness. That's who we are called as his children to be. This week I want to pick up on a portion of scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians. And before I get to our red letter words, I just need to kind of give a little bit of a background as to what's going on. In the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is, is addressing his church. If you see 2 Corinthians chapter 11, what's happening is he begins to hear about some some fake apostles is what he calls them. So remember, he, he helped start the church in Corinth. There's a body of believers there that he oversees. And he's getting word back that, that there's some who have come and begun to teach them some things that were counter to what he had showed them. They were making claims. They were making boasts about who they were. They were, they were making claims about why they should listen to them. All these things. And then we get this chapter where Paul starts to talk about who he was. Like, these are all the things that I was. And I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. And I did this and I did that. And he said, I could boast about that. And then we, we have the suffering that he talks about. He says, you know, I might sound like a fool right now, but I'm going to tell you all I've endured. And he goes through that whole list of things that, that he's endured. But I want to pick up in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning because there's some red letter words you know, it's going to be about nine verses into where I'm reading that I really want to hone in on today. But, but the background of this is Paul is addressing his, the church in Corinth because they've been, they've been persuaded by others, whether it's because of who they are, what they've done, or what they're saying, to teach. Uh, they've been persuaded away from the Word of God. And so he's going on through some of this stuff. I'm going to pray, Father, we thank you for your Word this morning and the opportunity to dig into your Word. And God, I know... You desire to accomplish incredible things in this place today. I know, God, you've already been preparing hearts for what's about to be received. And, God, I pray for our hearts and minds that we would lean into you this day. I pray that distractions would be removed, God, that we could hear your voice and understand what you're speaking. God, for myself as the pastor, I yield me to you and ask your will be accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen. So Second Corinthians... Chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 says, I must go on boasting. Although there's nothing to be gained, I will go on. Now remember, I say he was boasting about well, who he was, what he was suffering. Now he's, he's going on. I must go on boasting. Although there's nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things. Things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that. But I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. 
Even if I should choose to boast, I would be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect. And weakness. I want to read that verse again because we're really going to spend some time in verse 9. God said, he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak... Then I am strong. This chapter, uh, uh, chapter 12, there's a few points that I want to make. The first thing he talks about is he says, I'm going to go on boasting. And some people might have a New Living Translation. They're saying, Pastor, that read a lot different in mine. Because Paul says in this translation, he says, I know a man. Now, the reality that most people understand is Paul was talking about himself right now in the third person. So in the New Living Translation, it just says he's talking about his vision. Actually, my heading in my New New International says Paul vision, Paul's vision and his thorn. This is Paul talking about himself. And he's talking about himself in third person. You say, well, why would Paul do that? Just to confuse us, I really think Paul is pretty annoyed when he's writing chapter 12. I mean, I sense some sarcasm coming from Paul in this chapter. And he's so, so I think Paul has heard one too many times Well, Pastor so-and-so who did this told us this. And so Paul's basically saying, well, hey, I know someone too. You know, they're going to quantify themselves by what they've done or how they... I had a vision too. And so Paul, I sense just, just a hint of sarcasm right here saying to them, hey, I've had a vision. I've experienced God's presence 14 years ago. I was thrown up and he said into the third heaven and someone says, what is that? The third heaven. So the reality is, is that our atmosphere is thought to be the first heaven. The sun, moon, and stars are thought to be the second heaven. And the place where God dwells is the third heaven. We're not getting any crazy theology here. The third heaven was the place where God was dwelling. So Paul is saying, hey, you guys can talk about these guys. He calls them super apostles. Again, talk about some sarcasm. I mean, you want to talk about your super apostles? Let me tell you what God's done. That's where Paul's at. He's had a vision. Paul is saying that, that that's not who I am, that's not what it was. And he says, you know, and even though I've had this vision, there's been a thorn in my flesh. And I, I think theologians have spent hours and days and years arguing about what the thorn was. I'm not really concerned, again, with what the thorn is. Paul's saying there's something in my life that's made me uncomfortable. It's something that's a, that's a problem. It's something that I no longer want. Three times I've pleaded with God to take it away from me. And what was God's response? These are red letter words. Paul heard God speak these words to him as he was praying about this thorn in his side. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made Perfect in weakness. See, Paul's talking about guys 
They've come through all this litany of things that they can stand on. They've come through all this litany of things that have given them influence with the church that God's trusted him to lead. He's heard from them and he said, hey, I've, had, I've been there, I've done that, I've got all the qualifications, I've suffered, I've experienced, I've been caught up in a vision, but I've prayed. I've prayed three times. For God to take this thorn out of my side. And God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God's looking at Paul and he says to Paul, Paul, my grace. What truly is the grace of God? Like we sang a song. I mean, we sang about grace and and it's covering me. What in the world does that mean for God's grace? What is God's grace? I mean, if you look in a Bible dictionary, it's going to say unmerited favor. Well, I don't know that I understand that much better than I understand the word grace. Grace was my aunt that was at Thanksgiving dinner last year. You know, that's what grace, we, 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 do we understand what God is communicating when Paul says that, hey, I've been praying about this three times. Now, he's the super apostle right now, right? God's taken me up and I've had a vision. I've been to the third heaven. We sat down at this table when we had coffee. God said to me, my grace. If we don't know what his grace is, then what good is the word that God is speaking? Unmerited favor. I saw someone else define it as grace is simply getting what you don't deserve. Paul says, those things I get from God that I don't deserve. The grace of God is absolutely revealed in in John chapter 1. It says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God's grace is summarized by that very fundamental principle. His grace is the reality that I've been given the right to become a child of God. Who here deserved to be a child of God? Who here deserved to be called God's son or a joint heir with Jesus Christ? Yet his grace was revealed that he sent his son to die so that we could be called children of God. Becoming a child of God, there's a whole lot more grace that is revealed. In my notes I have, grace is fundamental to the abundant life we're called to live in Jesus Christ. It's actually inseparable from that life. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is being spared from what we do not deserve. But grace is being given something we do not deserve. God's grace. Paul talks about his grace. In, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, I thank Jesus or Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. But the grace of our Lord was poured on me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. That's grace. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy 
so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe him and, and receive eternal life. Paul, in this chapter, is saying God's grace has been revealed through strength. He's given me strength. He's called me. The purpose that God has placed in my life, God's grace is revealed because he sees me as worthy to be used by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Paul says it didn't matter who I was. It didn't matter how many times that, 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 I, that I persecuted Christians or how many times that I was a blasphemer or how many times that I ran my mouth and, and pointed out people or how many rocks I threw at believers in Christ. What mattered was God's grace revealed, which defined me as one who was called. God's grace, man, the end of that. (laughs) God's grace was displayed as immense patience. Does anyone relate to Paul saying that? I don't deserve God's patience. (laughs) Boy, he's got to be patient with me. Paul said, I've got a weakness. The weakness is this thorn in my side. And I prayed that God would take it away from me, but God said, no, my grace, that was, that was the calling, that was the salvation, that was the purpose, that was the patience that God's been displaying is sufficient for you. Ephesians chapter 2, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. And following its desires and thoughts, like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And it's by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, then seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Paul describes God's grace as incomparable riches. There's something incredibly valuable in his grace. Incomparable riches which are expressed in how? God's kindness, right? Or expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's grace, it's his love gift. It's these incomparable riches which are expressed in his, in his kindness. It's, it's these things that we cannot earn through works, but they've been freely given to us. Paul understands God's grace. Now think of this. So God, I'm praying to you, Paul is saying he's gone through who he was. He's gone through what he's done. He's gone through the accomplishments. He's gone through the sufferings. He's gone through the vision. Then he talked about his his suffering, this thorn, this thing that he wanted God to remove. And God looked at him and said, what? My grace. But the guy's talking about my thorn. Remember that thing that's sticking me in the side? You forgot that part of my prayer request. God looked at him and said, my grace. And when he said my grace, Paul understood that was the grace 
that spoke to him on the road to Damascus. That was the grace that said he was able to be used. That was the grace that God said, I have important things to accomplish for you. That was the grace that was with him as he was persecuted. That was the grace that was with him when people were throwing stones at Paul. That was the grace of God that was with him as he did everything that God had called him to do. That were the incomparable riches that God had been displaying to him. So he said, stop thinking about that thorn and start thinking about my grace. Why? Because my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. I want to tell you, someone here this morning needs to hear that God's grace is sufficient. You see, there might have been things, there might have been stuff, there might have been thorns. There might be these, these situations, but the reality that God desires for you to hear this day is that my grace is sufficient. What does sufficient mean? If you look in a, in a Hebrew or a Greek dictionary, when it translates this word, the same word is translated content, enough, and satisfied. God's grace is enough for you today. Is God's grace enough? Like are you satisfied. With his grace. Is God's grace enough? Are you content. With simply the grace of God. In spite of the super apostles, in spite of the the thorns, in spite of the sufferings, in spite of the accomplishments, are you content? Can you say what God spoke to Paul, that his grace is truly enough for your life this day? You see, oftentimes in the book of Galatians, we spend time gratifying the desires of our flesh. It's not enough. God's grace isn't enough. And so I'm trying to find satisfaction in all these other places. I'm trying to find contentment in all the wrong things. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are, so that you are not to do whatever you want. The reality is, oftentimes, church, we can't live in the place where God's grace is enough. There's always something else that we desire. There's always something else that we crave. There's just this one more thing that has to happen. Then all will be okay. God's grace is truly enough for you. That continues. There's some of these things, there's sexual immorality, there's impurity, there's lustful pleasure, there's idolatry, there's sorcery, there's hostility. Hostility. There's quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, 
dissension. I mean, we look at this list when he talks about gratifying the desires of the flesh, and we say, yeah, I got that. I don't have a problem with idolatry. I don't have a problem with, with, with fornication. I don't have a problem with the jealousy or the quarreling or the, the sorcery. I mean, seriously. But right in the middle of that, it says selfish ambition. Is God's grace enough? Is it truly enough? Because I think that we have this whole list of things in our lives that we pursue. There's things we run after that we're, we're convinced. If I just get this amount of money, it'll be okay. If I just have this many friends, everything will be defined. If I just get this promotion, God, just let me get to this place. And you see, the reality becomes, this is Pastor Steve's moment. God said, my power will be made perfect in weakness. The weakness is the moment for God to express his perfection in the midst of man's imperfection. I want to say that again because that's powerful. God's grace is God's expression of his perfection in the midst of man's imperfection. The things that I mentioned, the words that I went through, they're all simply crutches that we lean on. Paul could have leaned on who he was as a Pharisee, as a, as a hypocrite. I mean, all those things, Hebrew, Hebrews, all those things he was. He could have leaned on all that he endured. He could have said, look at how I have suffered more than anybody suffered for the cause. He could lean on the experience that he had with with God, where he was called up into the third heaven. He could have leaned on, listen to me, because some people do this, we lean on the thorn. I'm the weakest part of me. Someone gets that, someone doesn't. I am the weakest part of me. His grace is sufficient. And I want to lean on the perfection of God, not the imperfection of myself. I want that God's grace would be what is the pillar, what I'm standing upon. I want His grace to be the crutch that gets me through today and gets me through tomorrow. I don't want the grace of God to be, to be, to be replaced with the crutch of money, with the crutch of people, with the crutch of things, with the crutch of position. I want the grace of God to be enough for me. Because guess what happens? I'm weak. And I'm going to break. I'm fallible. I'm not enough. God's speaking to Paul. Hey, you're praying about these things. You've got to recognize this very fundamental promise that my grace, who you've become, the right that, you, that I've given you to become a child of God, the incomparable riches, riches of my kindness, those are what you must lean on. Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. How many times has my understanding been enough? I know how I can do it. I don't need God until I screw it up. You know what I'm saying? 
God's grace is enough. There's a story in the Gospels. It's the story of a rich young ruler. And then he comes to Jesus and he says to him, Hey, what must I do to inherit life? And they're having this conversation. And God, you know, Jesus is like, Hey, just obey the commandments. He says, I got that. Remember, this is the story. Mark, Matthew chapter 19. I, I can skip ahead to the part I want to focus on. He says, I got all that. I've done all that. And, and, and Jesus says, well, then just go ahead and if you want to be perfect, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad. Why did he go away sad? Because, because God's grace wasn't enough, but his possessions were. Do you understand that? Do you see that correlation? He was leaning more on what he had than he was on who God, who God was and what God would do for him. First Corinthians chapter 3, no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's grace. That's grace that's enough. If anyone builds on a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If that If what has been built survives, the builder receives a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit is in your midst? The reality is I'm building something. You're building something. And when we build on anything apart from the grace of God, it will fail. God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power will be made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, I rejoice all the more about my weaknesses. Why? Because I know it's going to be really strong because I'm leaning on God and not on myself. I know it's going to be perfected. I know it's not going to break. I know it's not going to fall down. That foundation's going to be solid. That foundation's going to be something that will endure the storms. That foundation is going to be something that won't crumble. God's grace, you guys can come up here, is enough. You know, in, in worship, Tam was talking about this very reality of the grace of God. Tim was talking about the things. There are people who came up for prayer. I knew the word that God was speaking today. And I was excited because he desires for everyone in this room to hear, just like Paul heard when he was praying about his thorn, that God's grace is enough. God's grace is sufficient. 
your thorn, your weakness, your arrogance, your pride. God's grace is enough. Your circumstance, your situation, your lack, your need, God's grace is enough. He desires His power to be made perfect in your life. I want the perfect power of God in my life. Amen? I mean, I don't want to lean on the broken stuff anymore. I don't want to put more confidence in the things that are of me than in the words God has spoken, the promises He's given. I just look at some of us, and I believe that God has incomparable riches that He desires to express to us in Christ Jesus. He desires to put them in your life, in that place where you're struggling. He desires to put them in in your life, in that thorn that you've been dealing with, yet we continue to lean on the fallenness of of man. God wants you to hear today. My grace is sufficient for you. Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you for for the body of Christ that is gathered in this place. God, I thank you for the word and the truth of the word. God, I thank you for the promise of salvation that you've given us rights to be called children of God. I thank you, God, that that right is greater than any thorn that may be in my life. I thank you, God, that the the fullness of your love that was revealed through Jesus Christ is greater than any accomplishment that's been in my life. It's greater than any suffering that's been in my life. It's greater than any spiritual moment that's happened in my life. It's who I am in you. God, I pray for those in this room who may be leaning on something apart from the grace of God. God, if we've been indulging the desires of the flesh, if we've been seeking out to take care of the lusts of our heart, God, help us to know that you are the one who satisfies, that nothing will sustain us, that nothing will complete us, that nothing will will, will satisfy us like the grace of God. God, as your Spirit has spoken, Holy Spirit, as you've spoken to our hearts about those areas that we lean on more than you, finances, the friendships, the accomplishments, the titles, the accusations, the thorns. The things that we've done 
grace is sufficient for us. God, your grace is sufficient for everyone in this room. And I pray, God, that we would live knowing that we can lean on the perfection of God. Jesus Christ cried out, it is finished. It is accomplished. There is an absolute certainty in the grace of God. There's a certainty we have in the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed so that we could become children of God. There's a certainty we have in our adoption to sonship that we have for for the Most High. It's absolute. It's perfect. God, I pray we would lean on that. I pray that would be the firm foundation that we stand upon. In Jesus' name I pray. You know, this morning I I want to give an opportunity to respond. An opportunity for you to say, yeah, I recognize, Pastor, I've been leaning on other things. They don't have to be bad things. They can be good things. Paul could have leaned on the vision. I mean, what better than going to heaven and talking to God? I want to put more confidence in that, in that experience, in that moment, in that thing than I am in the grace of God and the reality that I become a child of God. It becomes weakness in me. If you acknowledge that, if you recognize that, I just I encourage you to, to talk to God about that. Let God know, hey, I, 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 we talked about the, the art or the uh, rapid repentance in Sunday school today. We talked about, hey, you can see and hear. Maybe God has shown you something this morning that you need to change. That's okay. That's cool. I like when God talks to me. Maybe you've heard him speak something through pastor's words this day, and you said, man, that was for me. The act of repentance is that then I make a choice to change. Yeah, I acknowledge that. That wasn't right. That wasn't good. I make a choice. And I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to lean on that. I'm not going to let that be the author and finisher of my life. But I'm going to lean on the grace of God. Yeah, my bank account might still grow, but that's great. But that's not where my confidence is. Yeah, I might get a promotion. That's not where my confidence is. I might have a thorn. That's not where my confidence is. My confidence is in what God has called me and who He has said that I am. This morning as they lead us in a chorus, I encourage you to respond to that. If you say, Pastor, I can't do that all by myself and you want someone to pray with you, I'm here to pray with you. If you can take care of business with God where you're at, then take care of business with your God where you're at. Actively repent. Let your life be changed. Let His grace be enough for you so that you can stand in the midst of the storms, so that you can endure the fiery flames, so that you can withstand the attacks of the enemy and the words of men. Because God's grace is enough.
some time doing a series on worshiping in spirit and in truth. And I just want that to be our closing prayer, this song. That it's more than enough. That God is more than enough. And, and if you mean that, and that's a desire of your heart, let your voice confirm the desire of your heart today. Worship God in spirit and truth. Uh, I'll say this now so I don't have to say it later. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you. And grant you his peace. And may God's grace be sufficient for you. But let this song, let this chorus be the confirmation of the work that God has done in your life this morning. God's grace is sufficient for you. Amen. But be blessed this week and live knowing the grace of God. Live leaning in to his grace that's enough. Amen. Be blessed.